0: Block
1: talk radio. Welcome to Great Out Blitz, right here on Apple Podcasts. And Block Talk Radio. Uh, just an exciting week five in the NFL, week six in college football. We got uh, off season news and notes coming up in this show. We got Burmy in the uh, Club, Burmy in the house. He's going to be here in about uh, an hour or so. We also have the general manager and owner of the uh, San Diego Surge, which is Christina Carrillo, who are now shifting over to the IWFL. So we're going to talk about that. And everything that happened in the NFL as we start out the Great Air Blitz every week. So, we got a lot of stuff that we got to dive into, but uh, for the most part, welcome back uh, Holly Custis and and then uh, Troy Wilson, as always, uh, college football. So, guys, a lot of things that happened in the NFL. uh, Goodell just put out a memo today. Uh, urging everybody to stand for the flag and go forward with another type of resolution to, you know, to kind of bring to light all this stuff with the injustices and the police brutality. But uh, at the same time, this is business. And I think that's the memo that came out. We also had Cam Newton uh, put out as sort of a, some people felt the sexist response to uh, Georgian Rodriguez out of the, uh, the Panthers uh, beat there. And then we have, a lot of issues in there in terms of Jerry Jones drawing the line as well. And we have um, O.J. Um, with uh, the Giants basically just in devastation, basically, in New York. Uh, the Jets upswing, Giants kind of in devastation. And we can't uh, forget to mention uh, why a. Tittle, uh passes away uh, from the 49ers and the Giants. And we got a lot of stuff to talk about. So uh, before we bring in our guests, uh, Christina Correll and Michael Burney, uh guys, let's let's dive in here. Uh, Holly, you were gone. So uh let's dive into the NFL. What's your thoughts?
2: Uh, well, um hi, by the way. Uh missed you guys last week. Uh it looks like there's a lot of good football this last weekend, you know. I And swing. the Chargers
3: won, Holly. The Chargers won.
2: <laughs> you know it's funny because in my office school I was having a hard time trying to pick who was going to win that game because I'm like, they're both really awful. And I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought about it. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go with the Chargers because I feel like the Giants are just kind of, they're just kind of done for for the rest of the season. And then, you know, with Odell going out with his uh, injury, I just, I don't really see them fighting back this season. I'm interested to see if they just kind of pack it in and play for some you know, um, uh, draft picks for next year, or, or what they do, it, because at this point, in this season is pretty much lost for them. I think. Are
1: you th- uh, Are you thinking the yeah. Chargers are Browns West? They're Browns West, right? <laughs> Troy yeah. already called out last time the same. The Browns already packed it in as well, so I guess well, San Diego. Like, your point.
2: It's kind of like yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like you have the Chargers, the Giants, the Browns. And even the Bears, those four teams, I like, just are not very good this year. So
3: we'll see. We'll see what
2: happens. But yeah, I think they definitely. I think the Giants have packed it in. I think the Chargers are really bad, but I don't think they've quite packed it in yet. Um, so it was a good win for them, good morale boost. But you know, at the end of the day, you beat the Giants, and and it's not a huge huge shock.
1: <laughs> All right, Holly, uh, my Rams. Just horrible, and they just beat themselves. I don't know what to say. I mean, I know Seattle's good and everything. I know the defense was good, but, God, my Rams just beat themselves. I was looking forward to a win.
2: Well, I think the Rams are really young, and that's what you saw, because they, they had a lot of momentum early in the game, and they didn't keep the foot on the gas pedal, and you can't let up when you, when you play the Seahawks especially. And uh, the Seahawks are still kind of – in trouble if you're relying on Russell Wilson to pretty much put the whole game on his shoulders. Um, And the Seahawks only had 62 rushing yards, which is still not a good sign for them. Um, But their secondary played a lot better. Um, They still have some uh, run defensive issues. Uh, But really, I think the Rams didn't play bad. It's just that they're young. they, They made mistakes at the end that really just hurt them. Um, so I think they're close, Oscar. They're not quite a playoff team, but I think that they're kind of on that like Tennessee line, where they're like maybe a half step behind it. So you're going the right direction.
1: All right, Holly. Were you offended by Cam Newton's comment, or was it just something that was taken way out of proportion? I mean, there's two sides to it. Every some people felt very offended by it. Other people said it wasn't such a bad deal. I think he was just either being sarcastic, or I don't know, he was just playing it off because that's you know well, that's what he did. So, what's your what's your take on it?
2: I think both, um, because I think I honestly think he wasn't trying to be malicious necessarily, but I think it was definitely an immature comment. And th- so the bigger issue is really not necessarily that he said it. It's more that that's a common line that a lot of males have, but they don't think that uh, women know football. And so that's really the, the underlying issue. And um, and so I'm hoping, okay, so I listened to his apology, and it's great that he had an apology, but when I listened to it, it was really more like, I'm sorry I got in trouble and then he brought up his children, which is great, but he did, like, I would have liked to have heard from him, hey, I have two young girls, and I want them to think and grow up to, that they can be anything. He needed to kind of push that line more. He really, I I wish that he would have, because there's an opportunity for him to really connect uh, with the female fan base in in that way, and he kind of was just like, oh, I'm sorry, I jokes on me, type of thing. Um, so he's definitely immature, but the underlying issue is not necessarily Cam. It's that a lot of males think the same thing that he does. And so we have to, as a sport, go out there and prove the wrong.
1: Holly, I, I know you know routes, so I'm not going to, like, criticize you for that <laughs> stuff. I, I know you know routes, you know what I mean?
2: <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, Uh Anyways, uh, it, it, uh, to me it was just like he really just did it. I don't think he even thought it it was just like second nature for him to say that, you know, was just, and he thought of it as something of a joke mentality. Cause when you look at him, he starts to smirk. So to me, it's just like, okay, probably, you know, not the right thing to do. It's like, you know, you should have just said, Hey, I'm, I'm impressed that you, you understand our scheme process and how rough they're, you know, I mean, he could have gone that way, but uh, he didn't. Yeah. So Troy,
4: uh, what's your feeling on that? Um, you know, when I when I heard it, um, I knew immediately he was going to get in trouble for it. Um, but honestly, I didn't have that much. Um, I didn't I didn't feel like it was that egregious, because, and and partially because um, of. So I I give you an example. Um, you know, my wife who watches football. Uh, just you know, she watches football. So she was having some, you know, questions about why players do what they do. And, you know, so what I taught her how to do was to read coverage. So my wife can look at the screen and or watch how the defensive backs and the linebackers line up, and she can tell you, okay, this is a cover two. And if they go in motion, she say, okay, that's cover two, and they're going man to man. Um, I told her, like, if they – if the cornerbacks line up on the boundary and, you know, they kind of turn their hips on, on to the inside and where they give the receiver the, the inside, I said, and they're backed off maybe like eight to 10 yards. I told her that's cover four. So, you know, so make and then, you know, fast forward, she's out, she's hanging out with her girls. They're at a, you know, they're hanging out with girls night out and, you know, the football game is on and they're at the bar and, you know, those guys over there talking about football and my wife is yelling out, oh, they're in cover three. And almost everyone in the bar turned around. I mean, girls included. You know, she they were like, okay, I don't even know what a cover three is, but apparently everybody's all excited about it. And so it was a uh, a shocking thing, but it was also a, a cool thing where, you know, you sit back and you say to yourself, wow, she, she kind of un- understands the game. And then conversely, I'll sit back and say the same same thing. It's a lot of my male friends who don't know how to read coverage, who don't know how to run routes. And so I think where the misconception was is that he was shocked that, you know, she was talking about routes. I think the problem really came out when he said female. And I think it was just the context of it um, that kind of bothered people. But then there is there is an underlined uh, theme also is that I just think right now, and I hate to be the one to say this, but I just think everybody's kind of up in arms right now. I mean, it just seems like everybody's a little bit gunshot. And so I looked at it like he was shocked that, you know, she was going in depth as far as, like, talking about football knowledge, not that, you know, oh, you're a girl. How the hell do you know Rouse? I mean, because obviously there are some women out there who, who know Rouse because they play women's football. I and mean, he knows that. And so I didn't look at it like it was a disparaging thing. I looked at it like he was shocked and actually, um, actually, you know, kind of caught off guard that she was talking about routes because that's not that's not something that he's typically used to. I mean, he's a NFL he's the NFL. He's been interviewed in high school. He's been interviewed in college. He's been interviewed in the pros. And I'm pretty maybe that was the first time that he had been asked the question by by a lady about running routes. So I really didn't take it. That bad because of, I guess that's from My perspective
1: Alright um, I think there's a little bit of a storm for him And like Holly says he did come out and Apologize but even the apologies Seem to kind of be on a downer Mode and sort of like But uh, I hope he learns from it I hope he goes forward understand that Obviously there is women <laughs> that Understand routes uh, We know that <laughs> for a fact and Worldwide not just in the states <laughs> Worldwide um, so uh, maybe he needs to go to the world uh, Women's World Championship uh, the, the World Games that when they happen this year, and then he'll understand that, obviously, there's women that know routes. Um, Holly, maybe an invitation from you. I would be awesome. <laughs> would you just send him out and say, hey, well, I'll, I'll welcome you to the games, and I'll show you some routes.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, cam, let's, let's do it.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying, Cam, Cam, Cam. <laughs> Oh, Cam. Uh, all right. Um, Holly, um, we're going to bring on our um, – our, do our huddle now. We'll go back to the NFL after. Uh, we, we have today, we have Christina Carrillo, and we're going to have Club Burmey in the house, Michael Burmey in the house. So pretty exciting uh, Pretty exciting show. Troy Burmey is always in the house. It's always exciting. And we're going to have the general manager of the San Diego Search coming up next here. So um, you guys – Thank you, everybody, for uh, subscribing to our uh, Apple podcast. Please go to uh, iTunes and uh, check out our podcast. If you want the link, go to our Facebook page or our Twitter feed. The links are there. Really appreciate everybody subscribing and really, 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 really appreciate it. Um, it's something that makes us grow. It's going to give us an, uh, an opportunity to even go bigger with this platform and expose a lot more about women's tackle football in general, spotlight athletes in women's tackle football. And so uh, it allows us to talk about it as well. And most people, I've gotten information now, um, you know, most people now listen to our show. Can you believe that, Troy? We have listeners. I'm just kidding. Uh, We do have (laughs) listeners. And so um, most people are kind of like blown away that there's actually women's tackle football teams worldwide. You know, uh, last week somebody said, there's teams in Australia? (laughs) In Australia? And I'm like, yeah, in Australia, buddy. There is teams in Australia. (laughs) And so uh, a lot of people don't even know that. You know, they don't, they don't even, they don't even, they can't even, I think their brain's blown away at the fact that we have women's tackle football internationally. Um, this this uh, this week alone, um, if you go to our Twitter feed and our Facebook page, this week alone there was a friendly between Sweden and Finland that happened, and it was actually live and in, in coverage. So, uh, you know, the 29-6, to 6, uh, the Finnish Finland team won against the Swedish team, so, um, you know, there's obviously events going on, and there's things that are happening uh, besides the NFL, besides college football, and all that stuff, so we cover it, we are devoted to covering it, and now we have fans that obviously know that there's women's tackle football globally, and hopefully the message is getting out there, and we are, with our platform, we are making people aware that women do play American football, and they play it, you know, uh, at a high level, and um, awesome athletes all the way around the globe. All right, Let's bring um, the owner and general manager of the San Diego Surge, uh, the talented Christina Carrillo. Christina, welcome back to the uh, Great Owner Blitz. You're on with uh, Troy Wilson and obviously the, you know, Holly Custis, WFA All-Star Holly Custis. So welcome to the show.
3: Thank you, Oscar. I appreciate you having uh, having us on, and, and it's nice to be back on Back into football, talking football
1: for sure. Awesome. Christina, um, just like we have controversy with the protests, Cam Newton's sexist <laughs> comments, somehow we have controversy in the WFL season. How does that happen? And so uh, that's why we brought you on. No, no, we didn't bring you up. Because uh, we brought you on because that alone, but also because the surge is, uh, is back and shifting to the IWFL. And that's sort of exciting news for a lot of fans, too, because now you're in the same realm as the Utah Falcons, which we've we've known what Utah can do in the last three years or so. So it's kind of exciting to uh, maybe go up against Utah, too, in the same process.
3: Oh, without a doubt. I think uh, there's always uh, the silver lining to this situation and that, um, you know, we can look at it as a blessing. Uh, I, I sat down uh, face-to-face with the owner of the Falcons and, you know, we have this rivalry that um has been building uh and, and we're excited. We're both very professional people and very professional business owners and we're we see that um we can we can really do some, some good good amazing things. But yeah, it's been an amazing it's been a wild couple of weeks. How about that? It's been a wild couple of weeks for us. And um we are uh now uh, switching leagues to the IWFL and um yeah, there a lot of people have seen the social media posts and, you know, have formed their own opinions about exactly what what might have happened, but um, without going into too much detail in in general, um, we we basically put our foot down and and we weren't going to be um, uh, handed down a decision by the league that we felt legally they didn't have a right to do. And that's really the premise of of what happened. Um, A lot of people will ask me, uh, and looking back at it, why, 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 why file a lawsuit? Because that's what we ended up doing. And I think a lot of owners that are in a position like we are at the time, um, you know, a loss in early in the season can de- can determine whether or not you're staying home or you're traveling. And for us, that was a very big deal for us, um, and, and something that we needed to uh, to fight back on. And so. Ironically enough, we ended up getting beat anyway uh, in the regular season, so we ended up having to travel. But I don't think a lot of owners realize exactly what the consequences uh, could have been by taking a, a, a forfeit loss that early in the season. So, you know, not again to to uh, respect the privacy of the player that was involved. Um, you know, I, I don't want to go into too much details other than a uh, the facts, which our temporary restraining order was granted to us Uh, we were able to continue forward and then we of course came to a settlement uh, a settlement that we were very happy with and um, fast forward to the to the end of the season we 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 suffered a very big loss to a very talented very very talented dallas team Um, and uh, the rumblings began um, the rumors began flying around and i couldn't quite put my finger on exactly what was going on other than could it be quite, quite possibly correct that we got kicked out um, as a result of, of of this lawsuit, so you know we we don't have an answer as to what happened, um, and I don't know if it even matters at this point, Oscar it really doesn't we, we're going to look forward, but we, we never got a formal answer. What happened? Um, we weren't invited to the owners' meeting um, we were all of our communication was cut off, uh, a very disappointing Uneasy uh, situation uh, for for us, and uh, one that I still am confused about. But again, uh, it, we put it behind us. Um, I we had to uh, to do a lot of soul searching uh, to figure out what was what was going to be our next move. Um, I have a lot of other businesses that are very successful. I, I love women's football. I gosh, I've been doing this for thirteen plus seasons. Um, but I needed to look at the bigger picture and, uh, and, 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 there was a lot of confusion about what we were going to do. Uh, we'll just start with that.
1: All right. So Christina, based on what happened with the legal matter and everything else, it just seemed like, uh, the parting, part of the parting of the sea just happened. Like you said, decision was made on one side, decision was made on the other. Um, my two cents was the brand just really lost out on a market. You guys are very successful. You guys have done well, even though, even even with an off season where you didn't play, you did well as well. And so now it was like we own the market. You know, the NFL is no longer in San Diego. You're able to make a kind of a dent. And a year from a year from from now, uh, or a year ago, uh, like I mentioned off here, a year ago everybody thought the IWFL was going to go kaput and not exist at all, technically. And all of a sudden here they pick up a staple franchise with uh, credible durability and good a good business minded sense here and all of us and no longer in the no longer part of the brand and so to fans i think it's disappointing to hear that because you would you figured this would would have been a good market to kind of like penetrate even more and bring the awareness of uh, women's tackle football to the forefront with uh, the colleges and the high schools that happen right there in southern california especially in san diego so kind of disappointing in that sense as a fan but you know, you move to the IWFL where there was issues all, you know, all year, last year as well. So it kind of makes you think, okay, you're moving to uh, another league to do that. So how is that even, you know, going to work? So at this point, um, what do you think of shifting to the IWFL? You know, part of that,
3: soul-searching that was done for for the, those couple of days. Um, I had a very open conversation with Kez and, and the IWFL. I also had a very open uh, conversation with the Utah Falcons owner. And there's been no secret that I've wanted to start a league for many years, um, a league that's really um, built on the premise that it gives back to the current players that are, that are are that are sacrificing. And So it's been no secret that I've wanted to start a league. So when I did that soul searching, I I went to Kez and I said, look, I I have so much energy left and I have a lot of ideas and I have a lot of things that I want to, um, to, to, to happen in women's football. Can, can owners be part of that solution? And it just happened to be if, if you, if you saw a couple of weeks ago, they made the announcement that, um, that they did restructure uh, the executive council. Um, it's led by some amazing businesswomen um, and owners that will now have a voice. And, and I think that was the calming part for us, is knowing that, um, that there's work to be done. That both, both leagues have been at fault, um, to be honest, in my opinion. Um, but, but I think we can move into a direction that's more positive, and that was really the selling point uh, for me to go back to the team and, and give them some hope that we're not going to shut down. We're not only are we not going to shut down, we're going to switch leagues. I mean, that was a shock to a lot of the players and coaches. But not only that, we're going to make a difference. I promise you, we're going to make a difference. And um, you, you know, you're, you're going to share something um, with some with some news that that we're that we're rolling out today, but. That That is what I want. That's, that's, that's the direction I want us to go. So I'm happy. I'm, I'm extremely blessed. Um, I think it was a blessing. It was a blessing that this happened, and now I'm just going to focus my attention um, and my resources and work with some really good business people, and that's what I want to do.
1: It sounds, it sounds like the business model is really pro-like, and that's what I liked about the news is that it looked like you got, you know, some really good owners that really want to create a business model and get off the recreational model and really try to focus on making a a statement about, you know, this is women's tackle football and and, and invest in us and that kind of drive going forward. Um, Holly, you got anything for um, Christina here?
2: Yes. Hey, Christina, how are you doing?
3: Good, good. How about yourself?
2: Pretty good.
3: Um, So obviously
2: this is a huge, huge deal. And I think for the IWFL, it's it's really great because uh, I actually started my career with that league uh, way back in the day with little itty-bitty from Alice Morgan. And, uh, you know, it's been my opinion that the IWFL, just for the last few years, has suffered from a lot of apathy. So when I read, you know, the changes and the new structure I, I think it's exactly what that league needs. They need new ideas. They need new leadership. And so, uh, as unfortunate as the circumstances are, and you guys switching, I think it's it's a new um, day for that league. And I think it's encouraging if you're a fan of that league. My question to you, and this is this is a good one:
3: Do you think they will ever be one unified league? Boy, that's a good question. Uh, I came out hard. <laughs> I, think, I think in time that the tools that, and, the, and the ideas that we bring uh, into the IWFL, and again, I, I'm not here to bash either league. I mean, but the, but the ideas that, that we have, and I'm going to share another one right now uh, very quickly, but those are the things that are going to draw players and owners to be, some, to be part of something special. Really, I think that's what... So in time, possibly, um, there there could be a unification. Um, I want to talk about the, the player fee that registered players have to pay. What do they get for that fee? Please tell me. And, and I don't want to bring up a sore subject, but one league claims they have about 2,500 players paying $25. What are they getting for that? And the answer is nothing. And um, I think it's it's time for the players. These are the players that are sacrificing their bodies, they're sacrificing their careers, their livelihood. What are they getting in return? Um, a lot of players are taken are taken care of by their team owners, but what is the league? What is the league giving these players? And one thing that we're going to do, and I've talked to, um, I've talked to Kez, I've talked to. Uh, the owner of Utah Falcons, is we're going to put part of that money aside and, and, and start creating a fund, um, a fund whereby players can uh, apply for some financial assistance when they get hurt, they get injured. Um, players have high deductibles. These health plans that are on the market these days are, you know, high deductible plans, high co insurance. And so we want to create a fund whereby uh, injured players, and we'll have to develop some parameters, obviously. But we're, we're, whereby injured players can apply for assistance—that's um, not—that's that, never been done before. Um, I'm in the insurance business. I'm going to go to some of the major insurance companies and ask to match to match those funds. And guess what? All of a sudden, we're going to be we're going to be building this fund that's for the players. Um, that's an example of something that we can do to make a difference. Um, just a small, just a small idea that that um, again is it, pro players. So I'm excited. I'm excited to work with uh, the uh, the team that they've put together over at IWFL. Kez is still going to be involved. Lori will still be involved. But but now they're welcoming more input from business people that have resources and ideas. And that's that's what we need. That's what we need to get the sport going forward. Again, it's to protect the players. That's really what my focus is. Is really to protect the players.
0: Holly,
3: anything else? Yeah, the, the,
4: oh, sorry.
3: Yeah, I mean, I heard that. I also heard that the uh, as a result of of possibly our legal situation that the league fees went up. That's come on. Now they're creating a legal fund. Where is that going to go to? I mean, why why should the owners be responsible for the league's failure um, on their part? And and I don't agree with that. I I'm sorry to all those league owners that um, were being told that their league fees are going up because of us. And that that's that's not a very easy thing to swallow for us um, because I, I it's just not right. And again, I think we're that, doing the. Th-
1: I- Christine, I think that that issue should be that issue should have been brought up before you make the legal leap. That should have been a, maybe a conversation with all the owners, you know, before you go up against one owner. You know what I'm saying? In a business sense, because that really is uh, not a good sign. In terms of, oh by the way, now you got to cover this that we decided that we were going to go forward with. So uh, I, I I agree with that. I think that's just not the right thing to do. But anyways, um, go ahead
3: yeah i mean I'm just you know I keep harping on this financial side of things but um i mean th- again there's no secret that I've wanted to start a league for many many years and and one that's built on the premise that um that there's transparency there has to be more transparency these these financial figures that are coming in um is mind boggling where where are those where are those funds being dispersed well how are they being spent how are they being spent for the for the future of women 's football and for the players, these players again are sacrificing their bodies. I have a player that lost her career um this last season and and doesn't have anywhere to look for for assistance um, I don't like that that just doesn't fit well with with what I think this how this should should work out so I mean Oscar, we have um, sent you some some information on something that we want to start, and I think it's important it ties into this. It ties into this uh, discussion.
1: Yeah, and the, the one thing that you, you brought up that maybe was a good, I mean, the NFL alumni, the NFL has an alumni association that obviously covers some of the former players' um, concerns to be benefited with, especially now that the NFL is so huge and everything. But uh, you're talking about the the, the women's football uh, alumni association created um, that it's an advisory board basically to try to um, you know figure out how you can uh, take care of some of these other players that obviously contribute to the sport up to this point. And it's the same concept that the NFL and the AFL had back in the 70s and late sixties. And now it's, you know, what the alumni does with the NFL. So, um, you had, I believe you had uh, former owner of the Dallas diamonds, uh, Don burnt, you have Shelly Burnson, former, uh, also Dallas uh, diamond player and Dallas diamonds, historic in women's football in terms of, uh, you know, their play and their organization. And then if you need that kind of be, be validated, you can go to neilrosenthal.com and get his encyclopedia. I know will tell you a lot about the Dallas Dawkins as well. Uh, Mindy White, former owner of the Kansas City Tribe, which is a legendary, obviously, uh, club and staple in women's uh, uh, football as well. Um, and then you have Jacqueline Boyle, a current San Diego uh, search football player and also an accomplished businesswoman and yourself, uh, that is going to be at the advisory board. So this is this is more of a, a, a real conversation about, um, you know, what business what real business does, which is basically, you know, uh, benefits for employees and how does that go about the same kind of concept because you still have to carry that type of mentality uh, with your employees. And so the league does, you know, to your point, I think, does deserve or owes players some sort of assistance or some sort of, you know, help if it gets to a stage where they do have a severe injury and that would help them. Ultimately, like you said, it's not going to cover everything, but obviously it would help in in a short-term process to get the back on their feet or look for something else to uh, fall back onto. So um, to me, Christina, it just seems like the mindset has shifted. See what I'm saying? Because ever since I've covered the sport, it's always been recreational mindset. To me, that's been my what i've called it it's a recreational mindset okay uh because the branding to me doesn't give back that's that's the one thing that i've always questioned is why doesn't the brand i mean we have to fundraise uh at the end of the year all the playoff teams including the two teams that will go into the final still have to fundraise so you would think that in a business model whatever money's coming out of the owners and whatever's money's coming out of the players some of that, uh, even a bit a small percentage, should be figured out and say, okay, it's going to cost this amount of money to travel to the championship game, so everybody has to contribute to that pool, and then all the teams get to some sort of lift to go there, and then the pool gets recycled or just, just gets kept uh, whatever's left over for the next season, and so there's a less – it's kind of a reward, in other words. For me, it would be a reward where you make the playoffs, you're going to be rewarded by getting shifted or sent out to, you know, the playoff stage game and also to the national championship. That has never happened. As far as my knowledge, I could be wrong, but I don't think it's ever happened.
2: There's actually – sorry, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say they actually did have a playoff um, pool, but I
3: don't know how it was implemented.
1: Right. And that's what I'm saying. There's confusion there because you have a lot of questions.
3: Yeah, and flying Oscar flying your team from a San Diego market into Pittsburgh, you know, you're talking about fifty five plane tickets, uh, ground transportation. I mean right. it it was generous that they gave the playoff teams, you know, some assistance and that, that I commend them for that. However, you know, it wasn't it wasn't actually didn't cover hardly anything, um, when you had hotels and, and all of that. But you know, the I want to go back to the uh, the Women's Football Alumni Association. So we are um, starting to do the work now, and it's exciting. I think that we have thousands of players from around the U.S. that have spent their lives playing women's football and have not been recognized. Um, and this this gives us an opportunity to recognize those players um, for, and also to take all of those proceeds and to give it back to the current the current pool of players. Um, It's our way of, and I say our, because I'm retired now, but it's our way of giving back to the next generation uh, of of players that's coming in. So I'm excited about that. Um, We have a lot of great benefits that we're building into this uh, membership um, association and, you know, everything from a very, very nice professional lapel pin, you know, that can be worn proudly and, and membership cards and discounts. And I mean, we're, we're, I think it's it's, it's we're going to build something that a former player can be proud of. They can apply for the membership, they pay their membership dues, and 100% of those proceeds, 100% um, of those proceeds will go back towards uh, the current players that are currently playing in the form of scholarship um, money, in the form of player assistance money. I mean, there's always players that need um, uh, uh, they can't they can't pay to to play. Um, that's the that's the truth of the matter. So. Just just a, a small showing of what, when business people and business-minded people can come together, we can make some real results, and that's what we're going to do. So I'm excited about that.
1: Troy, you got anything for Christina?
4: Hey, Christina. Um, I do have one question. Um, you guys seem like you covered all the business aspects of it, so I'm going to go ahead and throw it out to some football stuff. Um how for how much are you looking forward to doing battle with the Utah Falcons? I mean, they have been on top of this league now for a while. I mean, you know, as far they 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 definitely won the last two. Um, so and, and you guys did have that budding rivalry going. You have to be chomping at the bit to just really get down to the challenge of it, knowing that you guys have a great team that you can field up there, and you feel like you can compete with them. Because not a lot of teams have really been competing with the, Utah, with the Utah Falcons, especially the last two years. I mean, it looks like they've just been running circles around people. But you guys feel like you can you can really keep up with them. So how much are you looking forward to seeing that Utah Falcons team and then putting your team to see how they fare against the champs?
3: Extremely excited. I You know, I had a face-to-face meeting with um, Hiroko, and, and she's the owner of the Utah Falcons. And, you know, we joked around a little bit because there there has been a building uh, rivalry going on and it and you know i think we can say that it started when, uh, when when we held a women's football camp and a lot of the players were so nice to come out and, and join our camp but you could see the rivalry building and so we're, we're we're excited i you know i had to go back to the players obviously and tell them that you know we're switching leagues and and i needed to give them some excitement something to look forward to and and, and when i say utah that's all we needed that that, there exists a really nice rivalry that will um, that I'm excited and the coaches are excited. We, we, we are, you know, we took a season off and we did, we did very well last year. I mean, we got killed in Dallas, but Dallas is a very, very talented team. Utah is a very, very talented team coached by very, very good coaches. So um, we, we, we need to, we're still rebuilding. Um, I'm not sure the status of our starting quarterback there's someone had brought to my attention. It's going to be pretty cool if it happens. She will be the only quarterback to win a national championship in three different leagues. That's a pretty amazing feat. Um, so, uh, and, and that's Melissa. I don't, I don't really know what, uh, what her status is. You know, when, when, when she knew that we were going to play against Utah, I think it it perked her ears a little bit. And so, um, I wouldn't be surprised if she, if she comes back for another, another couple of seasons. So a lot of excitement. Um, we just want to play football. This whole situation the last couple of weeks has been really taking a toll on us, but we just want to play football at the end of the day, um, and, and that's what we're excited to do.
1: Kelly, so you got
3: anything
2: else? Uh, yes, Uh, one more thing. So uh, you had some really good ideas about the alumni, uh six uh, program that you guys were talking about. What are your ideas about uh, the future of marketing for this forum?
3: Yeah, I, I think when we put our, our minds, in, and we do have a website, um, it's wfalumni.com, so it stands for Women's Football Alumni. Um, I encourage everyone who's um, interested in being a part of, of this. Um, we aren't the type of advisory board that will turn away any help or resources. So. We invite anyone who has input to um, to get on the website and, and, and give us your email address so we can correspond with you. But, I mean, I think that um, when business minds get together, and this is a great group, I mean, a, an amazing group of people, um, we we're going to come up with some really good ideas, but we welcome any and all input. So we're really going to look to have other people. Um, I, I spoke to the Utah Falcons owner, and, and she's excited to help us as well. So I think marketing football, um, it, 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 a lot of it should rest on the shoulders of the league uh, at some point. I mean, as, as a local San Diego team, we market our local team very well. Um, on a national level, we need that assistance from the league. I mean, that's what we pay our league fees for, in my opinion. We need that assistance from the league, and, and we haven't, and quite honestly, we haven't gotten, we we haven't gotten that. I, I think 2012, when the third won the national championship on an NFL field, was was the pinnacle. It was the pinnacle of women's football, and we didn't we didn't ride that out. We didn't ride that success. So I think a lot of the marketing efforts falls on the shoulders of the league. It should fall on the shoulders of the league.
1: I agree. I think the brand has a responsibility to uh, elevate its awareness to a national stage, whether it be radio, TV, or social media. I think that's basically how you need to go about it. But uh, uh, it hasn't happened yet. We're, you know, we're obviously making strides. So there's always positives going forward. Uh, there's always hiccups with negatives, but for the most part, we have some positives. So one of the positives for the IWFL is obviously uh, gaining your guys into the into the league for 2018 and as troy alluded here um surge versus falcons uh we can't wait <laughs> we cannot wait i cannot wait surge versus falcons i mean I- i'm hoping i even told uh, Heroku, uh, make sure you get it on live stream you know something live stream you got to get it on there you know um uh, get it on some sort of platform so uh, we need to watch that. You know what I mean? We need to see that um, so that we get excited for it. Marquee, it's a marquee matchup, basically, for two great franchises. And you've already alluded uh, the ownership, and Utah has done a tremendous job in the state, not just in the local area, but in the state alone. And so, you know, we can applaud them for them as well. Um, Christina, always exciting to talk to you, always very exciting, always, you know, in- inspiring is what I would say the word is um sort of the same concept when I when I uh talked to Odessa Jenkins so uh very great great ideas uh we're looking forward to the uh of 2018 season and now with the surge against the Falcons that's just Troy you said it buddy can't wait for that
4: right Yeah absolutely I mean that's that's the matchup I want to see I mean cuz these they they they've really been running circles around people. So I'm just I want to see I want to see a collision. So I'm glad you said that you want to see a live stream of this because I'm definitely tuning in to see it.
1: Uh, who doesn't want to have a live stream? Christina live stream. That's all we
3: ask for. That's all we're oh, thinking. Heroko Heroko runs an amazing program. I mean, her website is top notch. Um, her her organization, her business sense. So I'm almost positive she'll she'll do a live stream. um, she's She's so fun to work with. I mean, it's been refreshing to um to work to work with her and and really put some ideas out there and If I can put my shameless plug in, December third is our uh, San Diego surge tryout, so uh, we'll be posting some information on our website soon. We're one of those teams that traditionally start a little bit later. I think most teams have already had one or two tryouts. Um, right. We'll have our first we'll have our first tryout in December. Coach Suggett does an amazing job with our timeline, our calendar. You know, he, he has in his mind only a certain amount of, of, of practices where we hit and a certain amount of practices in his mind, and that's that's all we'll do. So we, we traditionally stay, start a little bit late, um, but December 3rd, and just look at for, for that information on our website. Uh, we'll be posting it soon.
1: So, Christina, I if want people- to just add something right now. Um, I'm looking forward to the Carson-San Diego rivalry, even prior to the Utah matchup, because Carson okay, really has given – has given Utah kind of a, you know, a fight also. They haven't got to that level yet, but it's going to be nice. It's, I think Carson, San Diego, that rivalry building it up in the IWFL is going to be very, very awesome.
3: Yeah, I've spoken to the owners as well, and, and um, a, a amazing uh, ladies that run a really good program. They're turning that program around. You know, they've got some uh, some exciting coaches. They're running a camp coming up. So they they've they've share in the same business uh, Business, you know, ideas and values that we all do. So it's 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 refreshing. Um, we're excited. Uh, the girls, my girls, are, are currently boxing. We're, we we uh, I own a boxing club here in Eastlake. I think last time you and I talked, we talked about the gym. Uh, we still have the gym where um, the players can come in and do their workouts. But now we're adding box uh, to that to that workout, and um, it's pretty fun. It's fun to see the girls with the gloves on. Um, Brings a whole different element uh, into their into their workout. So we box on Sundays. Uh, so if any players out there are interested in, in joining our, our team, just send us an email, we box, we box on Sunday, and then we'll get going here real soon.
1: Christina, it was a very, very uh, cool for you to come on and kind of you know give us the perspective and give us clarity on all this stuff. Uh, looking forward to, like I said, the new season in, in 2018 with the IWFL, uh, continued success with the surge, and we're all looking forward to the Surge-Utah matchup at this point. Um, so I really, uh, really appreciate you making the time and being here today with us. And uh, like I said, we're really, really excited to see what happens in 2018 for you. So if you need anything, let us know. We'll share it out on our social platforms as well and get the word out on the, uh, on the Surge for 2018.
3: Perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: All right, guys. We have uh, Christina Carrillo here um of the San Diego San Diego surge. And so uh Troy and Holly, this is this is I, I it cannot be a downer in other words. You know, and most times you'd say, okay, well the team shifted from this league to that league and that's not good or whatever, but it just seems like this is what the uh IWFL needed as as a as a surge. You know what I mean? It just it just seems, you know, pun intended actually. Um so this is just this is I say think say the that IWFL was, that was a you know <laughs>
2: I know. Yeah, um, you're you're right. I think it's a huge, huge deal. Uh, You know, a couple of years, the WFL, a couple of years ago, were kind of on the the edge, at least we all thought. And then um, I really feel like Utah and uh, Austin have really uh, stepped into a a stronghold in in that league, and having San Diego – um, come over really helps not only in the football side, but also having that new leadership team. I think <clears throat> will really help that league because they've been kind of floundering the last few years, especially. And, um, and and you know, at the end of the day, for me, it's about the development of the sport. And you know, teams going back and forth between leagues—it's it, always happened in the history of the league. And I hope that one day we can get to the point where we have, um, you know, one, uh, you know, maybe professional level league and then maybe a couple of minor leagues, um, so we have more cohesiveness. And if you look at the history of the NFL, there was it wasn't always seamless as well. It, it, there's there's some history of going back and forth. And and um, but I think I hope that one day the the what we can produce from this shuffling and this realignment that we have going on throughout the history of the sport is that one day it will start producing what we all want to get to. And so for me, if we get, you know, something out of one transition and then somebody goes over here and we get something out of that, it's all about gathering those good fundamental things that we want to develop our sport. So, you know, for me at the end of the day, if it makes her sport better, it
1: makes her sport better. I think the idea that I love is the fact that she's, uh, she's gathering business-minded people to try to give back to the player. You know what I mean? So that's a totally different mindset than a recreational where you're taking the money from the player, but the player's not getting much back. And her, mind, her mindset is, uh, you know, the brand has to be more responsible for sustainability of the players as well. And since we don't have a real college pool, and we don't even have a youth pull yet, you know what I mean? So we don't have those two avenues to pull from. Uh, it's very important that the players get taken care of in that light because they are basically the brand right now. Because we're at a stage where in football we're not really blown up yet in terms of a youth you know, uh, feed or a college feed. So it makes perfect sense for, to start that. And, and, and to give back to an alumni, I think that's a great idea. So hopefully that works out. And also, you know, it works out in the way where – some of those older players can get some sort of perks back, whether it be you know, for, for I, themselves I, or I for their families and stuff. I think it's a really,
2: stuff. really, really good idea. And, and so it's, it's tricky because, you know, when you get to the point where hopefully we start uh, getting paid as players, it gets tricky from a legal standpoint because you have to figure out, in order to offer full benefits, you, you, you would have to hire us as employees. Which would right. you, know, you would have to incur a cost of taxes, and so a lot of these will basically you could do it you could hire us as 1099 contract workers, and but if you go that way you can't offer benefits, so it's, right. it's kind of tricky, and so but the way that they're doing it I think is is actually a good idea because it kind of sidesteps that. And it's more of an alumni, and I think that's that's a good way to do it, because you know part of my process of going all through all the rehab with my knee is the realization that if I was an NFL player, I would have an entire medical team and my beck and call this entire time, right? And I don't have that. It's just me. I'm my own advocate. I have to go out to the doctor. I have to go get second opinions. I have to. I have to make sacrifices of leaving work early and just to make sure that I'm physically okay enough to play and right. not alone all the cost, thank goodness I have, you know, really good insurance. Um, but even that doesn't cover everything, you know? And right. so, and I've been a player that hasn't had, cause I played a long, I played long enough in my career that there's been moments where I haven't had insurance and I had to get like the supplemental insurance. Right. Uh, you know, when I was like 26, I think, and I got laid off and I had to like like extreme sports insurance and whatever, which really doesn't cover anything. And so you you have to do what you have to do. And But at the end of the day, we have to treat it in a professional way. Because if we want to be professional, we have to act professional first. And it's basically dressing for the job that you want. And so, any right. idea that we can get and put together
1: that makes us more professional—that's what we got to do. Yeah, and uh, you know, you, you're right. It's a—it a, has to be a business-minded type of uh, sport for to go to the next level. And like you said, there's no catering here. It's, unlike the NFL, there's no catering. You have to go through that motion. So she can relate to that as well. Being a former player, uh, you obviously, you know, human resource side of things, just made a point about you know how things have to be structured because it's it's going to be one way or the other, but you've got to structure it correctly in order for it to, to work. So uh, I'm thinking, um, you know, there's all good-minded people, business-minded people on the IWFL side for 2018, so it's kind of exciting to see what kind of news comes out throughout the year and how are made that way as well. Um, so, uh, Holly and uh, Troy, what else can we have today but we can have the – Host is with the mostest club Burmese in the house. Michael Burmey in the house. No joke, football huddle. Um, sponsored by Zazzle.com, of course. So, Michael, um, thanks for making the time. I've been, like, going back and forth and going, hey, get a Tuesday off. Get a Tuesday off for me. And uh, The uh, the fans want to hear you. That's what really what it boils down to. It's not because Oscar <laughs> wants that, you though. on. It's because the fans want to so, hear you. You finally made it. It so, here so you good to are. be
0: back here on the sh- it feels so good to be back here on this show. Thank you once again for having me. It's just that I just, I've really I really missed you all, really missed being here on this show and talking to you all there. It's just that Little Caesars gets pretty busy on Tuesday night, so they need me to help make all these sheet outs there.
1: No, I mean, we, and if you can feed uh, Troy some of them, or myself and Holly, we'd be more than greatly appreciated. That's, that's just the way it works. <laughs>
0: this is why like, nope. – hey, I might, might – Hey, I might invite you to come there. Hey, I might buy a. Might invite you to get transportation to, to come with me to to when I go to Detroit in my upcoming tour there. Go see the Dark Angels game and d- before that game of the day, check out the Little Caesars headquarters and the arena and all that other stuff there.
1: Wow, see that we got privileges, Troy. Little Caesars now <laughs> privileges, buddy.
4: I like it, man. I like it. How you doing, Mike? Doing pretty good. Good, man, good.
0: Michael, man. so much news is coming out here in the States. There.
1: All right, so you're going to take us through some steps here because the reason we have you on is because you're the oracle of everything, and uh, we pitch it almost every other week, if not weekly, and we go, if you want to know what's going on in the U.S. scene, you go to Club Burmy. There's there's no free drinks, by the way. It's just a, a good chatter and a good time. There's no free drinks. So I tell people that you're not going to get any drinks right or anything but you're going to get a lot of insights and a lot of information. So, um, uh, Michael, let's start with this news then. Surge to the IWFL. We just finished talking to Christina Carrillo, and she's excited to go up against the Utah Falcons.
0: That is not – I am excited for that rivalry too there, and I'm hoping that there's a – and I am kind of – on one hand, I'm really hopeful regarding – hopeful that the IWFL's restructuring is going to lead to some things – However, I sort of. However, it also leaves me a little bit suspicious that if Kez is still involved, she's going to want to squeeze out as much power as she can.
1: You're not going politics on us uh, on here, are you? You're not going to go politics on us. Kez has I, changed. I'm, sorry. That's what I'm really sorry. There. We're, it's just, just we're, a, told, I'm we're sorry. Kez has changed. No, I'm just kidding. Michael, you're fine. Yeah. Um but, no, yeah, you have, we all have reservations like that, because every year it seems like everybody shifts, like you said. And so there, are, there, there is a point where all of us get to be skeptics about it, you know, what what one league's going to do, what the other league's going to do. So you do have a point there.
0: Yeah, it's just I really – I am so happy. Hiroko, Hiroko and Huff, these people on the executive committee, they're all awesome people there who've, who've run so, – Run truly elite organizations there. I really—that is why I am hoping that—that that is why I really hope this group ends up buying the league there at some point there, because they know, because they, because I can tell their passion for the game, they want to see it grow. Their hearts—it could not be in a better place.
1: Um, Michael, is this—is this an Oracle moment for us? You're saying right here the IWFL is going to go pro. Is that what you're telling me right now?
0: No, 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 no. I'm saying that they should. I'm saying that the owners should buy the league there.
1: That's owners what I'm saying. Should buy it uh, there
0: because. But a lot, lot of these league. a lot of these
1: owners are real business people, like your point. So that there's opportunity for one of these leagues to go pro. I think it's, a, it's just a matter of time.
0: Well, basically, well, here's here's the thing in the restructuring there. If I well about the leagues going pro, let me tell you, a lot. Every, everybody gets asked the question about what would they do if they won, if they won the lottery. I would pretty much, if I won the big Powerball jackpot, I would buy, I would try to talk. To, talk to. I would. Well, I would talk to Lisa and see about buying into the make into the WFA for one million dollars. Then I could do the funding for the payment, get more, increase the funding for the payments, and also for the national publicity, we get the ads in Sports Illustrated, on ESPN, and the other places.
1: So you would go marketing, as, as uh, Christina has alluded to. It's kind of a, one of these things that, that needs to happen, especially from a brand uh, point of view. Um, Mike, the other news that we have, just, you know, obviously the surge is the biggest news shifting over. But looking forward to, um, you know, a lot of tryouts coming up this year. But it just seems like the tryouts have been elevated now, more structured. That's what I'm hearing from a lot of players. A lot of, uh, Some teams have have, are having it more structured now. Uh, after so many years, uh, I think it has to do with the coaches that they 're bringing in they're obviously from college and uh, other realms that uh, some of the tryouts are actually a little bit more uh you know more pro like so that means uh you know some of the players are really liking that
0: well, that just goes that 's just one of the natural things about the scope of more and more people we're this is the best time to be a women to be a fan or, uh, the player coach staff member fan of women 's football yet, but it 's going to get it's going to get even better, though, but in the years to come, there. But we're seeing this thing—that's just catalyst. What we're seeing the scope and publicity of the game improve there. But more people who are involved in the big, the, uh, more of the folks who are involved in the NFL and the big leagues there—they're wanting to help out with the—they're wanting to help out with the women leagues because they know it's the future. I mean, that's why Frank Harris agreed. That's why—that's why, that's why Franco Harris has been one, has been the has been Mr. W. Bowl in their last two games there. All right.
1: what what news do you have for us that uh we can uh, obviously if you're not on club burmy you pretty much got know it all already but um Michael what's 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 your you know what are you looking forward to so uh, with with the both brands at this point with the IWFL and and we don't usually talk a lot about the USW uh USWFL because it's you know it's not it's not that we don't want to it's just it's just a, they got to do some work with you know website and get their information out a little bit better work than that. But
0: yeah, I really hope they it. get there. We
1: talk about WFA and we talk about IWFL most of it. But what do you see uh, for 2018? What's your what are you, your guts telling you right now for both of these leagues?
0: Well, there's honest. Honestly, I really feel like the teams which are all in all, it is basically going to be a matter of who's good. I base. I just think that things are going to there's going to be. I honestly don't, don't. I don't. I had seen another big shift last year, but there. But now I think there's just going to be. There's just going to be some stability there because, remember, because as we, because as we all saw there that the, WF – because as we saw, because the surge there, they had been kicked out. There, they, they were just. They just got there because they Because want, they wanted a place to play there. Now, San Diego. Well, because now San Diego is going to have three teams for the upcoming season there, because there's a sur- the surge of the IWFL. Shortly thereafter, the WFA announced that a new team uh, ran by ran by Kenenji Martin and uh, Katie Ott, who had run the, called the San Diego Rebellion, would play in WFA Division Two, and then I just heard yesterday from the North County Stars that they're still planning to play there, so that's a lot. The rivalries that you bring up for the San Diego Surge, the one you didn't—I'm kind of surprised to see that the one you didn't mention was the ba- was the Battle of San Diego County with the Stars.
1: Well, I was more in tune with the LA, and because I know the Stars, and there was questions uh, whether they were coming back or not, but you just confirmed them. Obviously, they're coming back. That's going to be a pretty good rivalry. You also, you know, like I said, Carson's going to be one of those top rivalries for that coast so we're looking forward to the Carson Bobcats taking on the surge as well. Uh, but Utah, Utah, San Diego, I think, is the big ticket for the IWFL. What do you see in the WFA?
0: I personally think, well, if I told – I could – the thing is, I could tell you, but then I would – but then I'd have to use the Man Black Neuralizer things on you.
1: Yeah, you you don't have to kill me. you just <laughs> got to devolve the
0: information. <laughs> yeah. So that I do this so but but I think WF what I've heard from the source that I think the WFA is going to be just is going to be doing just fine at least in this first year there cuz we're going to see they're going to keep they're gonna, a lot of teams are still look are going to still be looking at this place there and they're still going to Teams are still going to be looking at that as the top league. There, I personally think that the whole thing with the West, the whole thing is that I really, I am really hoping that this whole thing will lead to this whole thing will lead to a few new organizations structure, organizational structures, there things becoming more organized there, because the I the what the WFA has done. That is outstanding for women's football. I'm really happy to have been going to their games and going to the national championship and to be helping them out on certain things. But I think that, but i what I'm really hoping is that it's more, is that it's more stabilized and more organized, so that it's not going to be a question of whether or not teams the teams stay or not. It'll be, it'll be the league teams want to be in.
1: Uh, Bernie, you got insider. You're in the Midwest. Is the force coming back, or are we are they not coming back?
0: So, sorry, but it looks well, – as I said, the force are still done. I have not heard any – and I was trying to get a hold of people who might be interested in talking about the Chicago team, but unfortunately that has not gone anywhere. So if you live – so if you live in the west south, southwestern coast of Lake Michigan, women's football, go see the Wisconsin Dragons there. They're going to be a new team coming to WFA in 2018 there, or at least they said they signed the paperwork on their official team page. They're the one based in Milwaukee there. They have the big rivalry with the. They have a. They're the team that's in my home market. I live in Metro Milwaukee. I'm really look. I'm thinking of how helping to promote with various organizations in both Milwaukee and Madison. Their rivalry with the Madison Blades. That is going to be a big deal.
1: So it looks like the Midwest team is going to be Division Two, which is a chance. It's going to be the slam pretty much. Everybody needs to pretty much get behind because in the WFA. <laughs> Tier 1, I don't think there's any – there's not going to be anything in the Midwest, right, Tier 1, besides what, Minnesota maybe? But
0: they, oh, you're, oh, you're forgetting a big thing. Remember, the Dallas Elite are in the Midwest region.
1: No, I know that. That's I'm not talking about – I'm talking about at, at the same level as Dallas. Chicago is really at the same level as Dallas, the same level as Pittsburgh. Yeah, but but, you know, I, but that,
0: that all depends. That all depends there. Are, are we going to be seeing force players go over to – are we going to see them join some new teams like the Dragons or the Blaze, possibly, possibly the Slam of Vixens nearby, or are they just going to retire from that? That is going to be the big question.
1: I think, what is it, Mayhem? Uh, they're either going to go to the Mayhem or they're going to do, go to the Detroit Dark Angels because that's really the only other options. I think they're close Who by, knows right? If the
0: West Mich- well, the thing is, the West Michigan Mayhem might not even be coming back this season. They haven't posted their Facebook page since June 29th, and a new team starting up in West Michigan, the Grand Rapids Tsunami. All right.
1: So most, of, some of those players, like you said, might just decide to hang it up and, and move on. But uh, it was a good run. It was a great historic franchise in uh, women's football, and uh, so it's kind of it's sad that we're not going to have a Chicago representative you know, for next year. But uh, who knows? It At might spring up for, on us before the season. Hopefully
0: some people... Hopefully, people are going to realize just how empty women's football feels is going to feel without a Chicago team. So, if it is indeed too late for 2018, hopefully, at least somebody will get it right, it in place for, get it in place for 2019, and make sure that this is a world-class brand that would do the Fall of the Force Legends proud.
1: All right, uh, Michael, we talked about we talk about tears all the time, and then we talk about you know pro league. We know the Pro league's way off base because we don't have a youth tunnel and we don't have a college, you know, tunnel like every other sports does. So at this point, the tier system really works as a developmental stage uh, for the WFA, for example. So very good excitement last year. Uh, tier 3, very exciting. Um, Orlando, Arkansas. And then we have Tier 2, which uh, Tampa Bay and St. Louis. And obviously uh, the Elite winning it uh, finally. So um, very exciting season last season all the way around, and so I was the happy, series, I think and the and tour I was system happy is be very exciting to have.
0: I was so, I was happy to be in those stands for the overjoyed to be in those stands for the for these games. Here's those of games. Here's the thing, but I But let me tell you that every the games, the games I was at last year, they were pretty, much, in the regular season were pretty much decisive there, but I think the most the most exciting game, the, one, the first game, one game which went down to the last minute, my favorite game, strictly judging from on-field play there, one which everyone who wants to find out about women's football should watch, is the game between the Orlando Anarchy and the Toledo Reign. It's the Division Three National Conference Championship. I was, on the reins, I was honored to be on the Reigns sidelines there, standing next to their, living, to their living legend owner, Mitchie Collette. She played for the Troopers back in the day and is helping. Puts their heart and soul into
1: the rain. It's a good organization. It's come. It's come up on. uh, You know. It's it's improved almost every year. So uh, since you know Ohio people, the Ohio uh, community out there should be very proud of them. They've done really well the last couple years. I was.
0: That was the game where I was, where I was. I may try to be there because the rain and the anarchy are two of my absolute favorite, absolute favorite teams in women's football. There because you got to give because they've got. Because just looking at the, how the just look at this past season for the anarchy, there, I'm just thinking, I somebody better be writing a movie script for that right now.
1: All right, Michael, uh, we don't talk USWSFL uh, very often, so um, I don't know what their status is at this point. But uh, um, like I've told fans before, you need the status on that. You go to Club Burmy on Facebook, and so um, you're a very, very awesome superstar for everybody and we really appreciate all your work and everything that you give out there. Um Michael, Troy and Holly are gonna ask you some questions, so we'll go forward there and then uh figure out it. Troy what what you got for Mike?
4: Hey Mike, how's everything going there? It's good, shy. Hey, I wanted to know um what do you think of Coming season uh in the IWFL, who do you see as the front runner? I mean, obviously right now I think most people will say it's Utah. But with San Diego the coming on board, ga- how do you think Let me picked? tell you
0: something? If the team assuming that the team that the team's paid roster stands at it as is, the whoever ends up winning the Western Conference Championship game between the Utah Falcons and San Diego Surge, I think they might as well just have them the IWFL championship trophy.
4: Gotcha. That's what I'm thinking too.
0: Think nobody from right the there. East, Michael. Nobody, no, I would really nobody, be nobody happy from to the East. You see a new team come up, a new contender emerge there and challenge them. Nothing would make me happier there, but everybody's everybody's going with everybody's going with those are the because because it's all about the IWFL. It's all about the Utah Falcons. The Austin Yellow Jackets and now the San Diego Surge—they're the team. They're the standout teams there, and let's, and we will we will see who else comes on board there, comes to challenge them.
1: All right, Holly, you got anything for Michael? Oh,
0: try, hey, ahead. how's it going? What's good, Holly? What's good, Holly? Is it so, by the way, I'm so happy. By the way, I see it, the the Burmy Awards post I made for you that has gotten pretty much the most response of any of the posts that I made so far. Oh,
2: uh, thank you. Um, I, that's... You know, as as a player, me, we we definitely appreciate you because, you know, as a sport, we need all the attention that we can get. So somebody that's as dedicated as you and the time to really get to know the teams and the players and understands the stats behind it, you know we need more of that, so thank you for everything that you do. I understand it takes a lot of time to get to know all that information and and make your your graphics and everything. so thank you for doing what you do um, my it. question to you, <laughs> my question to you is what do
0: you love about women's football the most well basically what i what I love about women's football the most is i've always been the most i've always been the type of guy who has that who kind of wonder who has wondered sort of why who' sort of who' sort of as I said as a kid there I would tell say over and over again, was there as a kid that I' saw about every single woman's every single sport, which typically the boys have associated with the the girls and women have done done extremely well well in as well from basketball to soccer to hockey and all those. All these other sports there, and now, what I had wondered back in my day was, was why not football? Because after all, I was a fan. I was a lifelong, plus I made. I was a lifelong fan of the Peanuts comic strip, and women. And because I've read that women playing football had always been pretty normal to me, not only with Lucy and her tricks, but mostly with Peppermint Patty. With being this, whenever the Peanuts gang would come for a pickup game, she would be, always be the standout player on the standout kid on the team. There, it would be. Because when, whenever she was, because whenever she was running, she would, one of them was she and Snoopy. Whenever she was, one of them was running, and one of them was making a tackle. That would be the big, that would be the big highlight of the game there. So, I guess you could say women's football has always been sort of normal to me. And I was wondering why it was why a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their minds about it. There, this does my heart good to see that. So, there are so many people across the nation and all over the world who do who do see things by way and do see football as a, as a sport which women can play and excel at and get naturally, nationally strong coverage in. Well, we
2: definitely appreciate you. And um, uh, what do you think about the
0: WFA for next year?
2: Do you think there's a, you know, a team or two that stands
0: out? I personally, well, here's my thing. I think pers- as far as team structure there, I think the WFA is going to be just fine. Second, second off, I think the elite are still going to be contenders there, but some of some of their big star players, most notably O.J. Jenkins, have retired, are hanging up the cle- hang up the cleats after this past season. So there could be, so it's all going to depend on. They are still going to be good, but they they might or might not be title contenders. Just as how the D C Divas big three from their two back to back national titles retired before this past season, so they were still as solid and they came this close to knocking off the Boston Renegades, but the Renegades, but the Renegades came back there with a win. But they're still good. But as for but it's it's gonna be a toss up as far as D one. D two here's the th- the question for D two though D two I see as, he, as he is, not as big a toss, but the big question for D2 is going to be, are the St. Louis Slams still going to be D2, or are they, after two straight titles, dominating the D2 level, are they finally going to go to D1? I really hope they do. Well, they definitely have the talent to
2: do so, I think. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I think, I think you're and right. They have, at the they've
0: beat teams on every single level. Matter of fact, they have gotten – They've gotten, I think, I think they've gotten at least three wins. They've gotten at least at least three wins against D1 teams. There, they gave the Chicago Force one of their toughest battles of the year. There.
1: I agree. I think, uh, I think they had uh, a good core of players there, and they're really competitive. Um, Hawaii, any, uh before we cut you off, anything else?
4: No, I'm good to go. Well, buddy. I
0: just, all I just want to say. All I just want to say you said that not a lot. I think I say league structuring there. I think I think all three leagues are going to be. I think all three leagues are going to be just fine. There's going to be a, there's going to be a little bit of stability. Not as many teams are going to. I don't think as many teams are going to switch leagues as before. And, but I think that, but I think all three leagues are going to be stable there. WFA has shown they're going to be just fine. The IWFL has shown that they're going to play on and do pretty well. And the, even the USWFL with teams. With their recent team pickups there, such as the Delaware Falcons, and most recently, such as Delaware Falcons, return of the Memphis Lake scene, most recently they picked up the Carolina Queens from the IWFL. That, to me, is a, that, to me, is a major pickup.
1: Yeah, a very, very major pickup. All right, uh, Michael, thank you for chiming in today. We really appreciate you making the time. I know I've been back and forth and asking you to get the Tuesday off, and you finally get the Tuesday off. So we're really, really excited, and all the fans, Always dive it into you. So uh, let everybody know where they can find you on social media, and obviously you're at Club Burmy.
0: Okay, go. Okay, so to find my page, go to facebook.com/backslash Burmy Nomad, because that was my because called Burmy Nomad because that was my original alias there. Or go to club, or go to my Twitter page at Burmy WFB. Or if you want to visit Club Burmy, go to facebook.com backslash groups, backslash WTF nation. That was another original name I had for the group and Facebook won't let me change it there. So when you type in this group again, it's Facebook.com backslash groups, backslash WTF nation. And you'll find club Burmese football fans.
1: Awesome. Uh, Michael, thank you for making the time today. I really appreciate it. And you're always welcome on the show. And, uh, we're looking forward to the two thousand eighteen WFA and IWFL season now, and so it's gonna be a very exciting uh, time in women's football coming up next uh, season. So thanks again for making the time. I really appreciate it, and looking forward to another chat.
0: Say likewise, you take care now, and I hopefully I will get another Tuesday off soon.
1: Just let me know when and we'll get you back on, no problem.
0: I will do that. Thanks
1: again. Have a good night, Michael. Thanks. You too, all right, guys, uh, Club Burmy in the house, uh, Christina Carrillo of the Surge in the house. Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of, I think I did myself besides uh, having, uh, what, uh, was it Grisafi and um, Grisafi. Uh, last time we had Grisafi uh, on as well. So, uh, I don't know, uh, Louis Bean also was on. At, and I, I didn't know how that I, how I pulled that, but I did pull that out, Beans and Grisafi at the same time. So uh, that was awesome. Um, so I'm patting myself on the back, by you guys. By the way, you guys, <laughs> 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 just a little. Can I have a drink right now? Thank you. Good, good job, yeah, Oscar. Man, of course. <laughs> that was a <cigar>, job, man.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: seriously. All right. Um, where were we? Because that's what my wife always tells me when I'm when I get off track. Where were we? <laughs> Reset here. Um, let's see here, uh, Holly. Um, Niners are zero and four, and I don't I don't want to hear a harp on that, but they get the Redskins. I'm assuming they get the Redskins <laughs> at some point, right?
2: We get we get them this weekend, and we're actually up five. <laughs> there you go, here.
1: Troy. <laughs>
2: but you know, I will say we did lose our second uh, uh, overtime game in back to back weeks, and we lost most of our games by I'd say you know three or less points so we're competitive but we can't seem to get over the hump and and it really we just like we need a quarterback year bless his heart it's just not the answer and we have a couple other holes obviously that we need to fill but that's the main one because we'll get into the red zone and we just cannot we we can't score a touchdown we it wasn't until we were really far behind in this last game that all of a sudden he started to throw better but uh you know, I think the Redskins' defense is going to get after him. And, uh, you know, unless something crazy happens, uh, I'm pretty sure that the that Troy's Redskins are going to win. Um, our defense has improved a lot. But the problem is that our offense can't maintain drives or score enough points uh, to really help the defense out. And so the defense eventually wears down. So we'll see what happens. But, um I'm leaning towards the Redskins. <laughs> hey
1: Troy, well, do you think there, that's there, why there, Mike Pence? You think that's why Mike Pence left the Colts game because it was just they're were, they're were falling apart. Oh yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. I'm sure that's exactly why Mike Mike Pence left. Yeah, <laughs> good old Mike Pence. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I, I'll, I I will say this. Um, I think San Francisco has, has a few problems um, and quarterback is, is probably one of them, but I think right now their biggest issue is that corner. Um, they're depleted right now in that secondary. I mean, they, they just had to sign Leon Hall this week. He's a, a veteran, also a University of Michigan guy. Uh, so they're they're pretty depleted right now in the secondary. So, that really doesn't bode well for them, uh, especially for, uh, you know, going against Washington. And they have Kirk Cousins, who in the last two games, he's been pretty much on fire. Um, so you want to see if 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 the Redskins can capitalize on that. And also, it doesn't help that San Francisco has that 1 o'clock start. I mean, that's really just not a good thing for West Coast teams, a 1 o'clock Eastern time start. So they're playing at essentially a 10 o'clock in the morning game. I mean, these guys aren't usually even getting their coffee until that around that time. But um, it, it's going to be an interesting game because I, I think the Redskins do have—they still have those same a little bit of the troubles in the red zone, and they're also depleted as well. I mean, that that Kansas City game kind of took a lot out of these guys. Um, so uh, a lot of the players are not going to be out uh, suiting up. Josh Norman—he's out—he's out, he's out for with uh, broken ribs. So he's out three to five weeks, so they're a little bit depleted right there, and they lost a lot of players. I mean, that was like Body Bag Bowl two point oh against the Chiefs. But I just think um, I think Washington has enough uh, to get them over the hump for now, and um, and hopefully uh, Mike, uh, you know, Mike Shanahan's son Kyle doesn't come in there with a revenge factor and he kind of laid it down on the Redskins. But I think the Redskins take that game.
1: All right, Holly. Uh, is Alex Smith elite? Are we talking about Alex Smith as an elite quarterback on a, a Aaron Rodgers' conversation?
2: Not yet, but he's Not definitely yet? having the season of his life. I think I don't think you can ever call anybody elite until they produce in the playoffs. Um, I think I think, or they produce in the regular season. So long, you know, maybe their team just never gets to the playoffs, but. I think uh, Alex is definitely having the best season that he's ever had by, by far. And I think, honestly, when you look at the combination that the Chiefs have currently, I mean, they have so many weapons that it's not even funny when you're talking about from running, for the running back, to the tight end, to the receiver. They, like, Alex has more weapons that he knows what to do with. And, and I think that plus... Um, having to fire under him, you know, uh, with, with uh, the rookie breathing down his neck, I, I think it's it's producing really good results. Um, and I think the difference will be because they've always been, you know, a competitive playoff type team. The difference is going to be what they do in the playoffs. So if he can produce in the playoffs, then he, I don't know if you call him the lead, but you definitely call him, you know,
1: a, a good quarterback.
2: I think Aaron Rodgers is in a is, he in, a, long. is he in a
1: Matt would it be in a Matt Ryan conversation like similar to a Matt Ryan conversation well, right now?
2: If he goes and if he wins the Super Bowl, yeah, I think if he okay. wins the Super Bowl, um, you know, I think Matt's still probably done it a little bit longer, like maybe you know, I think Matt's really been good the last two to three years. I think Alex has been solid, and this is the first year he's been good. So he needs to keep it up for a longer period of time. But as far as, like, if you say today, who are the best quarterbacks in the league right now and you're just focused on the first few weeks, then you would say Aaron Rodgers and you would say Alex Smith. But if you're talking long-term career landscape, but he's
4: not quite there yet.
1: Right. Um, Troy, are the Panthers for real at 4-1? and one?
4: Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um I just think that the first two weeks, the Panthers were kind of erring on the side of caution. Um, uh, Cam Newton had off-season surgery on his throwing shoulder, um, and they wanted to kind of bring him along slowly. Um, They wanted to do what the Panthers do, run the ball and play defense. And I just think now that they have a little bit of confidence in what Cam can do, uh, you're starting to see him unleash it. I mean, in the last two games, he's thrown for 300 yards, he looked really effective out there. He's even running the ball down. So we're looking like he's looking like the Cam Newton in 2015, uh, you know, instead of the Cam Newton from 2016. But I think they're for real. I mean, if Cam can play the way he is, uh, you know, playing like Superman, and that defense can still be as, uh, as talented as they've been the last, uh, well, pretty much all of Cam Newton's career, I think you're looking at a pretty good run uh, coming up. Uh, for this team, especially in a division where there is some kind of back and forth, but then they still have Atlanta uh, that's there and New Orleans is kind of getting their thing together. And Tampa Bay also, um, you know, they're not really sure what they have there. Tampa's kind of up-and-coming team. So I think right now I would say that the Carolina Panthers are the class in that division.
1: Holly, uh, the Bills, can we take them serious? Three and two leading the e- AFC East. I
2: don't know. I don't know about serious, but they're definitely a lot better than what people thought they were going to be going in. Uh, you know, I think I think they're playing well. I mean, they they lost to the Bengals last week, but it was a close win and it was on the road. But if they want to make a playoff run, they're going to have to make those road wins. Um, I think they're they're better than what we thought they were, but I don't know. If they're quite a playoff team yet, yeah. so I, I think they're, they need. We need a
4: bigger sample size for that. All right, Troy. You uh, know, uh, this uh, it, carousel the, of jaguars. I, can, I mean, if I can uh, throw something in there with the Bills, they're they're, they're one of those enigma teams of the season, and there are a bunch of them out there. Jacksonville is one of them, um, but you go from beating the Atlanta Falcons, you beat the Denver Broncos, two of the upper echelon teams in the NFL. And then you go on the road and lose to a hapless Bengals squad, uh, who also had three turnovers in that game. They're a hard team to figure out, and they don't really have room for the, for error like that. Because as soon as the Patriots get their get their stuff together, and we all assume that they will, again, they don't have a whole lot of room for error. So I hope you know they need to get their stuff together pretty quickly.
1: All right, you're t- you're saying that Brady's going to come back. I'm. Scared.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, of
1: course. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, Holly, what do we say to the Jaguars? What do we say about the Jaguars? I mean, they're up and down. They're up one week, blow all people. They did it in U.K., and then they come back, and they're downer, and then they come back up. It's like a seesaw.
2: You know, Troy's exactly right. There, there are a handful of teams that are just inconsistent, and the Jaguars are one of those teams, and they have a lot of young talent, and I think Fournette made them a lot better. He had a really good game this this last game, uh, when they blew out the Steelers and uh, you know, Big Ben struggled with with five picks against them and they, they produced points out of that, which is what the teams, you know, do. Um, but they need to be more consistent overall. And I think that starts and ends with Blake Bortles. Uh, he he needs to be more consistent because one week he's good, and next week he's horrible, and the next week he's good, and next week he's horrible. And I think what really helps him is, uh, I think uh, Fournette's actually pretty consistent. So if he continues to do his thing on the ground, that will help take the pressure off of Bortles. But they are very young, and so they did what they had to do. Uh, you know, against the Steelers. And then I'm interested to see how the game uh, goes this week against the Rams because it's another young, inconsistent team. So it'll be the battle of the inconsistent young teams, and we'll see <laughs> who's the more mature team out of that matchup.
4: I know the Rams funny are- thing that you see, the funny thing what you said with the with that game, with that Jaguar Steelers game is, what are the Steelers thinking? I mean, just the previous week. You had the Jets. Uh, Bilal Powell ran for 180 yards on on them, and Pittsburgh instead of going out and running the ball with your all with your all world running back, they decided to go ahead and throw against probably one of the best, best secondaries in the league. And you know they got AJ Bouye out there. You got Jalen Ramsey. This guy's up and coming guy, Sean Gip, uh, Gibson out there. Why would you throw the ball? I know I mean, I mean, know with the rant with uh, Antonio Brown and things like that, but listen, man, who cares? This is a team sport. You want to win the game, you run the ball against that Jaguars front who was a little bit banged up, especially with Ngakwe being undersized and you have some injuries in the front line. You run the ball, but they play right into the Jaguars' hands, and I didn't understand that game plan for the Steelers.
1: Hey, you were scratching your head the whole time, huh? You were scratching your head the yeah, whole time. You we were like, what are we doing here?
4: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, Holly, Deshaun uh, 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 Watson has arrived. I think he's arrived. Uh, my fantasy stats say he's arrived. Uh, uh, speaking from a fantasy <laughs> standpoint. <laughs> but, anyways, he's arrived. And so uh, I, the Texans losing J.J. Watts, huge blow right there. They had no pass rush against the Chiefs, but they did play admir- admirably, and he did. Obviously contributes a lot more. So this kid's arrived.
2: Well, you know, um, like I said before, when I watched him at Clemson in college, I I liked him a lot, and I really wish there were some way that the Niners could have picked him up. But we have we have so many needs that we we just couldn't get him. But I think he's definitely getting more consistent. More consistent in his reads. He's getting more comfortable. In the preseason, he looks a little bit shaky, but he seems like he's getting his feet underneath him. And again, I'm really somebody that's hesitant to say that somebody's arrived until maybe at least their second season or unless they have like a crazy awesome first season, just because it's kind of that thing where teams will start to figure you out. They'll start watching, they'll start seeing your tendencies, they'll start game planning against them. Um, and uh, I think the real test is when teams make adjustments to you and how you counter to that. So if he can continue to be consistent in his reads and make good decisions, that will produce for the Texans. You know, J.J. Watt being out really, you know, of course that hurts, but he's kind of like J.J. Watt and Grunkowski are with these big, powerful dudes and just cannot stay on the field. It's kind of ridiculous. Like, think how, like, they're, they're, like, physical specimen human beings walking down the street, like Greek statue people. And they, <laughs> like, get a hangnail, and then they're out the entire season. And you're just like, what the hell? This happened. This guy is, like, Hulk. Like, but I feel really bad for J.J. Watt. He, I don't know if you guys saw this tweet, but he was really upset. I get it totally as a player who, who's, you know, fought through injuries and stuff. It just sucks. Because you can't really predict it. You don't know when it's going to happen. And when it does, there's really nothing you can do. So, you know, um, he'll be back, though. I'm sure it's going to be a big blow to their defense. But they still have a lot of talent. Clowney has really turned the corner this year. He was already really good, and I feel like he got even better this year. And so he's just going to have to step up even more.
1: All right, Troy, uh, you're the Giants owner. Do we fire Ben McAdoo?
4: Uh yeah yeah I mean you do um, I I just think honestly last year was a bit of an aberration um, I think everything kind of fell into place with them uh, you know you you hit the lottery uh, you know getting your defensive line back together but now I mean it's just you if you didn't if you watched that team play last year anyone can sit back and say what their Achilles' heel was and their Achilles' heel was the offensive line. They went into the offseason. They didn't address in the free agency, and they didn't address it adequately enough or at all in, in the draft. Instead, you went out and got a veteran wide receiver um, uh, in Brandon Marshall. And, you, and your first-round draft pick was a pass-catching tight end who is not known at all for blocking. I mean, you might as well put him at wide receiver. So you have to look at it and say to Jerry Reese, what in the hell are you thinking? I mean, you have a quarterback back there who is 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 real is relatively immobile, and you're you have some of the the greatest athletes on earth chasing after him pretty much every single week, and, and they're wondering why they're wondering why this team is having problems moving the ball. They can't run the ball, so anybody don't even have to load up on the run game. They all they all they have to do is play the pass against you know, the, the weapons that they had on the outside with Odell Beckham, with uh, Marshall, and also Shepard. And guess what? All of those guys got hurt, this all of them. I mean, you had four wide receivers that went down. And, you know, three of them are out for the season with Odell Beckham, Marshall is out for the season, and then you had Harris, who he's out for the season. Who knows how long Shepard is going to be gone. Um, they are completely decimated, and they literally have no chance, no chance to win uh, anything this year. They're gonna win a few. They maybe win one or two games this year, but at, you have to clean house. You have to clean house from the GM to the to the to the head coach because they did not adequately address their biggest problem on the offensive line. Instead, they were stubborn and still trying to put out Eric Flowers, who they picked as a first-round pick, and they're trying to invest in this kid and, and do. Listen, he's he's not worth it. He's not a good football player. And I, I'm not—I've never really liked to say that, but if you watch the kid play, he cannot play the game. He cannot play the position. You have to get rid of him, and you have to start all over again at this point.
1: Holly, do we give uh, Pagano uh, another chance here till the end of the year? No.
2: <laughs>
1: no, you no. don't. <laughs> No luck, no luck for him. No luck for him, right?
4: No luck for him. <laughs> uh, Wait, what did you say, Joy? Holly's how a lot nicer than I am. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> you
2: know, you guys ever watch Family Guy? Yes.
4: yes. <laughs> All yeah.
1: All the time. Know,
2: she's like, no, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. 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 No.
1: So Holly, uh, let's go. Let's just cop off with, <laughs> Pagano. Uh, let's hug, give Marvin Lewis a hug, or do we keep uh, give him the boot? He's on a Fisher mentality right now. So should we just be, uh, <laughs> fire Lewis now? <laughs> say,
2: say that one more time. Sorry.
1: I said he's on like a he's on like <laughs> he's on like a fire Fisher mentality now in Cincinnati. Do we just get rid of Lewis though? Oh now? my fire, God! Fire Lewis.
2: Um. They, you know, they did get a win.
1: <laughs> but that's, he did. He did beat the Seahawks twice. So let's, let's just keep him. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, at at this point in the, in the season, though, it is kind of hard. It's hard because you you don't want to be uh, you don't want to have a knee jerk reaction. You know, and there are some cases that I think, you know, uh, some coaches and GMs have not made very good decisions, you know, especially the Giants. I think that's definitely one that I would say no to. Um, I think, though, there are other teams that, Sometimes what happens is if you cut them too early, if you start firing people left and right in the middle of the season, you're basically telling your players that you do up on the season, right? So it, you have to – if you want to do that, and you're packing it up. You're like, okay, we're just going to focus on seeing what we have talent-wise with the young people and then try to build for next year, great. But if you do it too early, it can really mess up what remaining chemistry you do have in so the locker room. And then what the hell are you going to play for if you don't? Your whole entire front office is already shut the door in the season and you're only four or five games in, right? So it's it's one of those things where I'm hesitant. There, there's definitely people I think deserve to be canned. And then there are other people where I'm like, ah, let's see. Let's give them a, a couple more games and see what happens. So,
1: Holly, Holly take your whole fuzzy uh, human element out of it. Do we boot them right off the bat, just kick them right out? These, these guys, McAdoo's gone. He's got to be gone, right? Because mm-hmm. all the Jets fans yeah. are laughing at him on the other side of the stadium. You know, he's like, "Not oh, Giants, think, look at he, the Jets." I think, so. I think the I Jets think, fans are I like literally just happy so. that the Giants are like horrible. And all the injuries think, this weekend, I mean, they're just like ecstatic. They're probably beard. They're probably drinking like drinking beer right now.
2: If you're a Jets fan, you're like, "Oh my god, we don't stuff as bad as you. This is awesome." We might not, you know get to the playoffs, but hey, at least they're winning a couple games, and, you know, at least a whole entire mm. franchise isn't melting down in front of, you know, the really? national public. You know, it's, oh. it's kind of one of those things. So I think if I was a Jets fan, I would totally like it. It's kind of the same thing, like, I deep down secretly really like it with Seahawks, when the Seahawks lose, just because I like watching their fan base freak out. So it's probably yeah. the same thing with a Jets fan with the Giants, for sure.
1: <laughs> All right. So um, let's move on to college football. We're not gonna have time for uh our three best games in here because we've got fifteen minutes, we gotta try to get the wrap up in here. But let's let's move to college football here. Um big shocker in the big twelve, right? We we have to, it's pretty much the biggest thing in week six right now. So uh Troy, you said watch Michigan State versus Michigan and we did.
4: Uh, yeah, I mean you know <laughs> Michigan, uh, you know they—they they, I thought they would have—I thought they had it figured out with John O'Korn, um, but uh, the problem wasn't necessarily the quarterback play; it was the offensive line, it was uh, the running backs. Initially, before even the rain started, couldn't handle the ball. Um, you know, you had two fumbles from your running backs. You cannot have that against a, in a rivalry game against a, a team like Michigan State, who was already a defensive stalwart. Um, they, Do we blame they climate really, change for the loss? Really, oh no, 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 no! No, no, no I'm just. just... <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was just. It was really just lackluster play. Uh, the the yeah, defense. Yeah. They were just. They were left to to battle the entire game, and they were lucky they didn't give up more points than that because they looked. It seemed like they were on the field pretty much the mm-hmm. entire game. But, I mean, listen, you have to lay this on the hands of Harbaugh's of, of staff and not getting this team ready to play. They couldn't block a soul out there. And Michigan State, they came with so many different blitzes and not and not even so exotic blitzes. I mean, they were just simply uh, outflanking them. And it, it, Michigan didn't have an answer for it. And by the time it seemed like Michigan had an answer for it, you had a torrential downpour out there. Everyone was afraid to throw the ball because both teams were turning it over at that point. It was just one of those ugly, nasty games. Michigan is really just going to have to pull one of those things where they grab the film and they throw it in the trash and they never even talk about it again. It's going to be hard too because Michigan State fans are annoying. They're going to talk about your Paul Bunyan Trophy, but they're going to have to move on to Indiana next week because uh, this week. Because after Indiana, they they have to go uh, to to uh, College uh, Park in uh, in Penn State, and that's the big game right there. So they can't overlook Indiana right now. They really have to get their stuff together, and if they're going to do it, they're going to have to find some fun up front. and And these guys really need to get on the ball and pretty quickly. All right, Ollie, what do we say
1: about uh, Alabama struggling to put away Texas A and M? Well.
2: You know, I think it was one of those games that uh, that happens in college football. Uh, there's always a handful of them a year, where there's a highly touted team and then a team that's uh, definitely the underdog, and then weird football things happen. And so Alabama had one of those games where Texas A&M had special teams play. They got the the ball was bouncing Texas A&M's way. And I think Alabama was definitely challenged in this game, but it does say something that Alabama won. Because what happens with college football is when when you get down to the end of it, especially if you're in the number one spot like Alabama is, especially if you have the national clout, they do. You win and you advance. It might have not have been as pretty as you would have liked, but Texas A&M isn't horrible. They're still a decent team, and you got their best shot. And you got their best shot when the football gods were giving them all the breaks, and you still were able to win. Now the problem is, is that it'll they'll have to make sure that that game doesn't continue into the next game, because that's the the mark of a great team is when you have those games where weird things happen. Um, and you're still, still able to win ugly, you have to be able to produce a win going forward and make sure that that ugly play doesn't continue because eventually it will bite you. So this week they go and play Arkansas. I don't think Arkansas is very good, so it should give them a chance to, you know, kind of regroup and, and hopefully put it to Arkansas and get back on the right track.
1: Try, what do we say about Miami? Miami uh, gets like four sacks against Florida State. And uh, Malik Rozier, uh, pretty impressive. So uh, they remain undefeated. So what do you say about the Hurricanes?
4: Yeah, that was one of the games where I highlight and uh, uh, talking about uh, games where I just didn't understand what the what, what Bezos was trying to do. I mean, that game stunk to hot heaven as far as the line that was on it because Miami was is a better team than Florida State right now. I mean, Florida State is absolutely real. And so when I saw Florida State play against NC State and the way NC State manhandled them, Miami has those kind of athletes on their team. And, listen, that's one of those games where Miami has kind of been off of the radar for a few years. And what you're starting to see is Mark Ricks, who's the former coach of the Georgia Bulldogs, kind of bring that program. He's trying to bring that program back to prominence, and he's doing it pretty quickly. And so you, what you want to see is the Miami Hurricanes become the Miami Hurricanes of old. They're one of those teams where if Miami is good, it's good for college football. They're a historically great team. Um, if you look at any of those 1980s, um, uh, even early 2000 teams, um, those are the teams that really, like, uh, gathered college football people or well, people to college football because they were so fun to watch. They aren't necessarily there yet. But you're starting to see them lay the foundation for that. And they needed that win over over Florida State. And Florida State, right now, who knows what they're going to do? I'm at the point right now where, you know, even though they did have uh, Blackman out there and he was a highly recruited kid, but again, this, his size is really what scares people. I mean, 6'5, 169 pounds. And every time he gets hit, I'm surprised he gets up, man. I mean, that kid, he really scares me. But they are reeling right now, and I'm not sure if they're going to be able to recover for this season. But you have to like what Mark Rick is doing down there in Miami and Cole Gables.
1: Yeah, it's going to be uh, exciting for them to return to, to kind of like a, a spotlight. Um, guys, quickly here, what is one game, because we're not going to be able to do three here with the time constraint we have, but what is uh, Troy, what is your game that everybody should be watching?
4: Um put it on my schedule real quick. Uh the All right. game where I wanted to see is the Red River rivalry. I wanted to see if I could say that out loud too. All right, so Oklahoma versus Texas. This game right here is one of those games where you never know what's gonna happen. Texas last year they were a bad football team. Oklahoma was not and and Texas ended up knocking them off. This is also where you have the Texas State Fair will be played. This game will be in the Cotton Bowl. It's it's always a fantastic, fantastic football atmosphere. It's one of those things where it's a neutral site game and the whole stadium is divided literally in half. Well, one half of the stadium is burnt orange. The other half of the stadium is in red and you love it. It's just one of those atmospheres where you literally have to tune in to watch. If you are trying to get into college football or you are an absolute college football fan, you have to tune into this game. Now, Oklahoma took a huge loss last week against Iowa State. Iowa State really just stunned them in Norman, and I think they were a little bit looking ahead to this Texas matchup because they they know this is their biggest rivalry, Oklahoma and Texas, are huge rivals. And I think they were looking ahead a little bit. So you want to see how... The leadership of Baker Mayfield is going, to come up, uh, is going to come up here. And also with Lincoln Riley being a first-year coach, this would be his first game being a head coach in this rivalry. You want to see how they equip themselves. Texas started off really bad against Maryland. Uh, they won three out of the last four. So you want to see them vote uh, up. So this is a lot at stake for both of these teams. It's still a big, a huge Big 12 matchup. And, and both of these teams really are going to try to, Establish themselves uh, going forward in the season. This can be one, This will be one of those pole vault games for both of those teams, especially in that division. Right now, I'm going to go out on the limb and I'm going to say that the Oklahoma Sooners are going to win this game. They are extremely pissed off that they lost to Iowa State. Iowa State had no business beating them. And what Oklahoma wants to do is get back into that playoff picture. Oklahoma, I think, wins this one by at least two touchdowns.
1: All right, Holly, what's uh, your game that we should be watching?
2: I'm going to go with uh, Auburn at LSU. Um, it's a very hard test for Auburn. It's on the road uh, in the swamp,
4: and it's a huge
2: rival, uh, rivalry game. And Auburn, if they want to get themselves into the playoff picture, they have to get this win on the road against LSU. Uh, LSU bounced back last week uh, with a win against Florida. And if they were able to beat Auburn, I think it would really help their confidence for the rest of the season um, and maybe get them into, you know, a a higher bowl game. Um, So, you know, that's going to be a really interesting game to watch, and so that's the one I'm uh, pointing out.
1: All right. So we got some exciting football that's happening in Florida. Week seven in college football, we're going to stay on top of it as well. We'll talk about all the games next week as we get closer to uh, the matchups. You can follow Troy at Troy uh, Wilson uh, on Twitter. And, Troy, what's the the handle?
4: Uh, Troy Wilson underscore one.
1: All right. And then, Holly, uh, your uh, Twitter handle as well?
2: Uh, Relentless2121.
1: There we go. So you can follow them. They'll be tweeting about it as well as on their Facebook page. Uh, They'll probably give, you know, some, they're watching the game, so feedback on that as well. Um, Guys, let's go down under. We got about uh, nine minutes here and finish up. We were all looking forward to the uh, matchup. It was supposed to be Ravens uh, Stingrays, the Champs, who had previously lost to the Ravens in the early season. Um, Troy, you called it. They were going to come in, they were hungry. They're not going to back down. They they have the crown, and here we go. The Stingrays uh, win 22 to 16. Uh, the previous matchup was 24 to 12, Ravens uh, victory. Now it's 22 to six. Uh, the Ravens fall five and one. The Rays are five and one. So uh, now this is uh, for all the marbles. Serious, 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 right here. So uh, um, Troy, you called it last week. That you said the Stingrays would come in and. And rebound off that loss,
4: yeah, I mean they had to i mean that's that's again that's that heart of the champion that you look for, and when they can't you know you have to rebound from those things, and I just think that that team is kind of built for you know um you know with the leadership and the experience that they have they're they're the type of teams that can come back from those
1: all right, so Holly uh week eight puts um we talked about it last week. How uh, the Rhinos and the Thunder, uh, basically <laughs> the Jets get the Spartans. The Spartans were 0-6, and, and somehow the Jets uh, they blow out the Spartans 36-0. So easy win for them. They stay in the race. They are now uh, third place, solo third place, three and three. They improve on the season. This weekend, week eight, in a game in Queensland, the Ravens will take on the Thunder. The Thunder must win here to keep pace for a playoff position. The Rhinos, with the, the same, the same uh, mindset, they're going up against the champs. So the, this, these two games are very crucial for uh, the Thunder and the Rhino for an upset.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you're getting down to the, the crunch time when it, when it comes to playoff seeding, every game counts, whether you're playing the best team in the league or the worst team in the league. And, um, and uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And all you can control is who's on your schedule and how you play them. And so, you know, when you get to that point in the season, you have to focus on each game at a time and don't be tempted to look down the road because all you can control is what's on the field in
1: front of you. Okay, looking at the Thunder schedule, I don't want to be them because this week they get <laughs> the Ravens, and then guess who they get next week? The Champs. <laughs> so. Uh, if, you're a Thunder, if you're a Thunder player and fan, you're like, man, our road just became tougher, <laughs> way tougher. Uh, so, um, Griffith out there, I feel for you. Just go out there and put your best foot forward and see if you can get an upset. You need one win out of the two. You've got to gotta beat the Ravens or the, or the Rays. Uh, it's going to be a tough obstacle, uh, very tough for them. But that's where they're at right now. I mean, that's basically where they're at. So, uh, looking forward to week eight. Ravens versus Thunder, Stingrays versus Rhinos. Uh, week 9, it's going to be a three-game slate. Ravens at Jets, Spartans at Rhinos. Rhinos should be able to rebound if even if they lose on the Ravens, and maybe get a win against the Spartans. The Spartans are winless. they got to muster a win somehow before the season ends. they got just they got to have that pride. Um, and then uh, Stingrays against Thunder in Week 9. Okay, uh, so everybody go to uh, our Twitter handle at Gridiron Beauty. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page as well. We are now covering the Czech League uh, in, in action. Uh, it's going September through November. The Women's League in um, in Czechoslovakia. The Brno Amazons, the Champs, the Prague Blackhawks, and the Prague Harpies. So you can get all the updates there on our Twitter handle as well as our Facebook page. And we are uh, in season now. The Austrian Women's League is in play, and we will start to cover those uh, as it goes through November 11th, between now and November 11th. So you're going to get to see um, – coverage of the Danubu Dragons, as well as the Budapest Wolves. And on top of that, you also have the Grass Giants, the Vienna Vikings, um, and the Telf Patriots. So you'll get to see that. Congratulations to the Gridiron West in Australia. They officially launched their season week one. Uh, it was Perth Broncos 14-6 to 6 versus the West Coast Wolverines. We have all the updates on our Twitter feed as well at Gridiron Beauty and also on our Facebook page, so uh, you can check that out. Looking forward to the matchups this coming weekend. We'll post them up as we get the feeds and links on our uh, Twitter p- uh, page first, and then usually we uh, dive into our Facebook page. So, um, guys, pretty exciting uh, weekend. Uh, I want to thank uh, Christina Carrillo from the San Diego Surge. She's looking forward to, obviously, the 2008 IWFL season versus the Utah Falcons. And we had uh, uh, Burmee owner of club bermain for michael Bermi here always insightful and always give us a, a passion for women's football as well and so um pretty exciting show and i really really appreciate them being on the show today and we got college football next week nfl also as well um so and then we'll talk about a little bit of what happened with uh roger goodell's memo next week uh with some other off off season nfl news that came out as well uh before the show came up today we'll dive into that next week. So um, I am looking forward to my Rams rebounding. Uh, Holly, I'm, I'm rooting for you. I, I was like okay. watching that Colts game. I'm like, almost there, almost there. You, you got a punch in and it didn't happen. So it's like I'm still so rooting. Uh, I'm not rooting hard, you know what I mean? Because I'm in the same division.
4: Right. All right, Troy, uh, Redskins should rebound, right? Yeah, that, I, I think they will rebound. I mean, I, you know, I I, I root for um, I, I root for Holly's team another week. <laughs> Just won't be this week. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I think my guys will rebound. I think honestly, you know, if the, if the Redskins didn't take this week off, I think they would have kind of rolled the momentum uh, from. Losing to the pretty much possibly arguably the teams in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs, and the way they looked against Oakland um, and also the Rams, who are both formidable uh, teams. I just think I like the way the Redskins are moving uh, forward, but they just have to really put it together, and you'll see if they can if they can be the San Francisco team who they outmatch on on paper and they can beat them handily, I think teams, uh, well, I think the league will start to take notice of what the Redskins can do.
1: All right. Um, I want to give you guys uh, an update. We are partnering with FlipGiv. Uh, FlipGive gives us another platform for fundraising for us uh, to help support uh, players uh, globally that we spotlight. Uh, on FlipGive. Uh, Flip you can go on our Facebook page or our Twitter feed. Uh, every sale, you buy name brand merchandise, Target, stuff at uh, Under Armour, Nike, and you get a percent off, 10% off, up to 20% off on certain uh, deals. So take advantage of those. If you're a fan, at the same time, you're, you're taking advantage of the sales, and you're also giving us back a little kickback to help out our fundraiser as well. So take advantage of that as well. Um, for um, Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez, and Holly Custis, I want to thank uh, Christina Carrillo once again from the San Diego Search of the IWFL for 2018 and Michael Burmey for being on our show today. We look forward to another edition of the Great Iron Blitz next Tuesday as we talk NFL, college football, and women's recaps as well. So have a great night, everybody. Looking forward to next week.
2: Good night.
4: See you guys.